0: I'm Rami. And I'm Shannon, and this is Workplace Hugs, where we talk about interesting things we've read, learned, or experienced to help all of us expand our life toolkit with a whole bunch of empathy, but without a whole new degree. Rami, what are we talking about today? Who are we talking with Who are we talking
1: with, I think, yes, is the key. Uh, I'm super pumped. We just hit 20,000 total listens on the podcast. Uh, It only took us to 200 and some change episodes, but we did it, so... That's fun. You guys have been hearing us for a long time. Uh, We're super excited. We have a guest today, uh, our second only guest. Our first was Shannon's husband. So this is like our first real not in our house guest. (laughs) Um, Dr. Leanne Davey uh, is our guest. She's a team effectiveness advisor, a keynote speaker, author of three books, including the New York Times bestselling You First, Inspire your team to grow up, get along, and get stuff done. And we are so pumped to have you. Thank you for being on our podcast. Thanks,
2: Romy. Uh, Hi, Shannon. I'm so excited to be here.
1: Yeah, I'm so pumped. Do you want to show... We love hugs, too. Yes. Yeah. Workplace hugs. Uh, Shannon, do you want to explain how we got Diane here? Er,
0: Leanne. Yeah. How we connected to her. Yeah. So I found Leanne through um, ICF, an International Coaching Federation seminar that was available, and it was so valuable to hear her recording I started following her on LinkedIn right away. You should totally go check her out on LinkedIn. She posts really great content that's actually helpful. (laughs) Um, And I devoured her book, The Good Fight. I can't wait for other people to read it. I think she's just got such a great, like highly relatable energy and a brilliant brain. So I'm really excited to dig in with Leanne and Rami today into specifically this concept of productive conflict and how do we have it and what does it even mean? So we're going to be talking about four themes here, productive conflict, how to get more attention, gasp horror for all of us Midwesterners out there, uh, how to reduce friction and the importance of better listening. So Leanne, I'm excited for us to just dive straight into this productive conflict.
1: Can I ask a question before we get into it?
0: Of course, because like this wouldn't be an episode if we didn't do it.
1: Here's the thing, and I think this is a question I want to start with for you, uh, Leanne, which is can a workplace be fixed? Oh. Yeah,
2: yeah, and and that's the joy of my job is uh, that's what I get to do. So uh, I spend probably still the majority of my time working with CEOs uh, and their teams to actually fix real organizations. Then I try and take what I've learned um, that's happened behind closed doors and that I can't sort of share. Um, I take the insights and learning from that. And that's what goes into the blog. That's what goes into my YouTube channel and into the books. So, Um, I've seen it with my own eyes, and boy, there are few things more rewarding than actually... We're working with one in Silicon Valley um, at the moment, and we've been working with them about a year and a half, and and we were there in December. and uh, I remember just at a lunch break in a two-day session, standing outside in the sunshine with the CEO and just saying, can you believe how different it feels in there wow. uh, and uh, oh there is nothing more rewarding for me than than that so yes an organization can be fixed
1: I love that and I love that because I think so many of us struggle or have struggled in our careers or have friends who are struggling currently with a workplace they go it's just it so much of it is wrong and it's, yeah, it's toxic it's toxic yeah. and I just need yeah. to get out of it yeah and yeah. the question that I ask a lot of times is well, is it toxic, is it less toxic next door? It's like, is the grass greener on the other side type thing? Like every workplace is going to have issues. And so I think it's nice that we can start this episode with saying, but it can be fixed. And it maybe can. here's some of the ways that we can go about doing that, which I'm Absolutely. very excited to hear about. Yeah.
2: yeah. And that was kind of the promise of my book, You First, is um, the, the promise of the book is you can change your team for the better from any seat at the table. So in each chapter, when we're talking about dysfunction, I say, okay, so if your boss is on board and kind of gets that this is a problem, here's what to do. Um, If your boss is clueless or resistant, but your teammates kind of see it and want it to be better, here's what you can do. But if nobody but you (laughs) is willing to admit that this is toxic um, how can you change your team for the better? Um, and so that was kind of the promise of it. Um, you know, and maybe you can't change your whole organization if you work in a huge organization, but you kind of don't need to. The vast majority Mm -hmm. of our reality is what's it like to work on our intact team. So yeah, that was
0: what that book was all about. Yeah. And that's not even the book that we're going to be talking about today. I know, I know, I know. Oh my gosh, maybe we're going to have to have her on again. (laughs) Okay, so today we're okay. spending more of our time talking about the good fight. And yes. the first theme we want to dive into is productive conflict. So first and foremost, Leanne, how do you define productive conflict? That might be an oxymoron yeah. to some people.
2: It, I know. I know. It's just enjoy the irony that we have a Minnesotan and a Canadian talking about productive conflict. Like Minnesota nice and and just the entire Canadian passive aggressive thing. It's miraculous that you and I have survived to talk about it. <laughs>
0: um,
2: so I go back to defining conflict first, which is just the struggle between incompatible and opposing needs, wishes, and demands. So, conflict is something that happens um, 10 times an hour in an organization. We have incompatible and opposing needs, wishes, and demands. Um, So, you know, I think it's a little bit like the way Brene Brown talks about vulnerability. It just is, it's not optional or good or bad. It just is. Conflict Mm -hmm. just is in an organization. Now, what's the difference between a healthy version? And an unhealthy version and i would say i define it as the difference between healthy conflict feels like tension feels like a stretch um of like oh like i'm an ops person i i don't want to have to think about how that lands with the customer i want to think about is it efficient i don't care mm-hmm. if it's differentiated um oh ow um productive tension uh is kind of like yoga it's like, oh, my leg doesn't go that way. And ow, it hurts. But, um, you know, it's making me better in doing it. Unproductive conflict, unhealthy conflict feels like friction. You're not listening to me. As we go back and forth, we get further apart, not closer together. Um, we're having the same conversation for the second year in a row without resolving it. Um, And I think about unproductive conflict. That was nasty. I feel wounded. Um, We've eroded psychological safety. So I talk about that unhealthy friction as feeling like a blister, and there's nothing good about a blister. That just slows you right down. So conflict just is those struggles between incompatible and opposing needs, wishes, and demands. The question is, Do you approach those incompatible things uh, with the tension to give and take and stretch and understand and and be dynamic about the flow? Or do you dig in, wear down, (laughs) grind on each other? Um, That's what's really unhealthy.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, this might be obvious, but just in case it's not, why do we want more productive conflict? Like, what's good about it?
2: Yeah, I would point to three things um, because the first is prioritization. You know, we right now have a massive prioritization problem in our, in our organizations. We're trying to do all things um, and we're doing it with too few resources. And so we're not doing it well. So we can't prioritize unless we deprioritize, uh, which means we can't uh, prioritize unless we have productive conflict about trade-offs. Second, we can't innovate without that kind of tension and people seeing things differently, asking hard questions, pointing out the things we haven't yet solved. And the third one is we can't mitigate risk without conflict. So if it's just like, oh yeah, that's your plan. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. If we have group think and just everybody thinking alike, uh, we won't spot assumptions, we won't look at different scenarios, we won't see and therefore we won't mitigate risks that exist. So those are the big three for me. Um you know, certainly using our resources more wisely and prioritizing, uh, innovating, sparking new ideas and then spotting and mitigating
1: risk. Yeah, that makes sense. But how will we know we've got the right amount of productive conflict on our team?
2: Uh, I don't think there's any limit to uh, productive conflict. Well, I I probably shouldn't say that. So generally more is better. Uh Um, I, I think the thing would be, Are we having productive conflict at the right time? So one question to ask is, um, are we putting our conflict in the right place? So if we can think about a decision in three stages, so there's everything leading up to the decision, the time between when the decision is made, and then the decision is evaluated, and then the evaluation and course correction of a decision. So if you think about those three chunks, what I find today, there's way too little conflict before a decision is made sometimes we work in silos and it's like if we uh, if we don't tell marketing about this until two days before it has to go out they won't be able to stop us
0: (laughs) oh oh, i just totally heard that before
2: oh yeah 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 absolutely absolutely um don't show it to legal until you know um so we have insufficient conflict before a decision is made. We don't think about enough scenarios. We don't get really aligned on what we're talking about. We don't invite dissent and diversity. Um, So we have too little there. Then we have too much in the phase between making the decision and evaluating it. That's when all of a sudden, all the the critiques come out of the woodwork. You're like, where were you before? Ah, this is never gonna work. Where were you before we made this call, the naysayers? That's the place where there should be no conflict. Um, That is, okay, what's it going to take to make this successful? And then um, again, we open it up to evaluation. First of all, we don't open up to evaluation. We never revisit the decision. We're like, well, we've done it now and we don't want to know if it didn't work. <laughs> um, or I don't want to be you know, in trouble if, if I was the one who recommended it and it's not having the desired output. And we don't do postmortems and we don't learn. So we've got the whole thing. So it's like a What is it? A sine versus a cosine. We've got way too little conflict in the first and third phases and way too much in the middle. We need to flip it into a U. We want lots of conflict before a decision is made. Lots, as we say, is it doing what we needed it to do? Do we need to course correct? And to way, way, way bring down the amount of conflict um, in that implementation phase. So um, yeah, maybe that's a better way of saying uh, where we need it and, and whether there's where it's too much.
1: Yeah, I like that. And in design thinking we talk about doing pre-mortems, which yeah. is I love how pre-mortems. do we talk about all the things that can go wrong? Let's yeah. have lots of uh, productive conflict now. Let's yeah. talk about all those things. Yeah. Let's bring up the amount of tension prior to making our decision. Yeah. And then do the postmortem, post-mortem. like you should yeah. after. And yeah. then usually that like kills off that that big wave in the middle because all the energy is now focused on, okay, we're in it. Let's deal with all the things we- let's
0: make it work. Yes. And then yeah.
1: let's try and figure out how we fix the things we did not anticipate for, which-
2: Completely agree. Love a pre-mortem. Love a pre-mortem.
1: It's just fun to say because people are like, what is that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. So let's hop into that second theme, which is how we get more attention. Shannon and I started this podcast with the idea and the intention of having more attention in our- own conversation like literally mm-hmm. that was the word when we were talking about it was how do we put more tension into our conversation so it's not just you and me agreeing all the
0: agreeing, time agreeing yep <laughs> um does it okay. make for
2: the most interesting podcast no <laughs> it what doesn't. do you think Rami
1: yeah me too agreed well agreed. thanks for tuning agreed. in <laughs>
2: uh,
1: yeah uh so how do we know well I guess we can start with how do we know we need more tension.
0: Like what would it look and sound like if a team didn't have enough? Maybe what you just said. <laughs> uh, in uh, in you first,
2: I describe the team as the
0: bobblehead team. I have this great
2: cartoon that's that's uh, like all the members of the team with like big giant heads on springs, and um, that that's what it looks like, right? It, mm-hmm. oh, the other way I always say when people ask me this question, I'm like, well, do you ever watch Family Feud? Do you ever see one of the episodes of Family Feud where Uncle Larry goes up front? And uh, he hits the buzzer and he says something so cockamamie. You are like, <laughs> oh my God. And then what do you see? They are,
1: good answer. Good answer.
0: And you if all know team, it's
2: ridiculous. Right. If your team looks like the Casper family and they're, and they're like cheering for everything. So bobblehead metaphor, family feud metaphor, whichever one you want. Like, you know, you should notice because you're converging too quickly. Somebody throws something out, talk about it for 2 minutes, like, yep, okay, let's go. Um converging too quickly is a good sign. Um it, you know, when people chime in to speak, it's violent agreement. Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I hear let me hear my own voice talk about the exact same thing you already said, right? Those are signs that you're not having enough productive conflict, uh, that there's not enough tension in it. So those would be signs in terms of what you can do to make it better. Chapter eight of the good fight, um, has the exercise that is, has probably made my career of all the exercises that I do and and gets me, um, taken from one organization to the next, to the next, which is, um, I call it the tarp. Um, so it's called the tarp because a lot of our teamwork metaphors are of rowers. Um, and, uh, rowing is a, horrible team metaphor. Um, particularly when we're talking about productive conflict, because it's like, well, we're all in the same boat and don't rock the boat and make sure you pull in the same direction. Mm -hmm. And all of those Mm -hmm. things say, if you have a dissenting thought, keep it to yourself, (laughs) Um, (sighs) which is very unhealthy. So I was looking for an alternative and a camping trip with my kids when they were little helped me realize that the process of trying to take a too small piece of plastic and um, stretch it tight enough for a... Torrential rainstorm to bounce off uh, was a great (laughs) metaphor for what teamwork is really like. Um, We're not pulling in the same directions when we try and spread a tarp out over a tent. We're actually pulling in very different directions, but we're trying to pull kind of at the equal force. And, and then we're trying to say, okay, depending on which way the wind is blowing, do we need to give and take a little bit and who's pulling harder? or um, And so that metaphor turned into an exercise, which uh, I would really encourage your listeners to try it. So what you do is for each role on the team, um, we define what's the rope your role should be pulling on, by answering three questions: What's the unique value your role needs to bring to this conversation? What are we all counting on you to pay attention to? What expertise are we counting on you to bring? So that's the first question. Mm. Second question: Who, that's not in the room, is counting on you to advocate for them? What uh, mm. stakeholder, uh, you know, is counting on you? So if if you're um, if you're in sales. Um, you know that the customer is counting on you to advocate for, you know, the best price you can give or the best functionality and feature set of the product. Um, But if you're in operations, you may know that the, you know, it's actually the employees who are counting on you to fight for, you know, what's something that's doable, that's Mm -hmm. less, less inefficient or whatever else. So that's the second question, you know, who that's not in the room, Uh, is counting on you more than anybody else to, uh, to bring their perspective. And then the third, you know, how do we sum that up? And what's the tension you're obliged to put on the conversations. And when we go, so, so I know empathy is important to workplace hugs and, and this exercise while it's, uh, it's, I guess it's, core purpose is to promote more healthy tension on the team. When we started doing it with team after team after team in every industry you can imagine, we realized the biggest side benefit is the empathy that's created of like, I never thought about that. I, you know, when so I'll give you a true example that I share in the book, working with this massive food company and the sales guy, He has three huge grocery chains that he has to sell to, and they're very different from one another. But the guy's trying to sell pork, like it's pig. There's, you know, yeah, it is an as Homer Simpson says, you know, one, you know, miraculous creature, the pig. But, (laughs) um, but you know, trying to differentiate pig is, uh, is challenging. So he was trying to do for one grocer to have a healthier raised without antibiotics, like that sort of thing. And for mm-hmm. a different one, they're really the grocer that focuses on prepared food. He wanted to actually have a marinade in the packaging. So you could just take it home and throw it on the Barbie. So he was fighting for differentiation and that the operations leader would often feel friction with him. Like, what are you doing, dude? Like, do you know yeah. how hard it is to, you know, package something in a marinade and how much more that costs? And how, like, he he thought the guy was just trying to make his life miserable. Mm-hmm. And when we kind of went through this exercise and he goes, okay, I get it. Like if if like our competitor is going to say, I'm going to give you pig in a way that suits your brand better or suits your customers better or your price point better or your store format better. You know, I get why you need to do that, but let me help you understand that when you, you know, when you agree to sell them ribs, that ribs are really, really, really cost intensive. They take a different line that requires way more labor. We can't automate a bunch of that. And that's gonna make our scrap rates higher. And and just coming out, going like, okay, I now I get it. And the empathy when they have to make hard trade-offs now. Is just yeah. so, and, and now what's fun is is the two of them got to the point where they'd raise the other person's issue. Well, the customer is asking me this. I know that's <laughs> going to be a problem because. Be so empathy is the big benefit. So the number one thing you can do if you want to increase productive tension on your team, do the tarp exercise. Make sure everyone understands what's the tension they're obliged to put on the conversations. But also, that they realize when people are disagreeing with them or coming at an issue differently it 's not friction it 's not because they 're a jerk it 's not because they 're not listening it 's tension um, and and you know flex and bend and and get that tarp in the right spot over the tent so that everybody stays dry so yeah it's profound things come out of doing that exercise i I love it
0: yeah that 's amazing and I've been rereading your book, prepping for this episode, and you know where it's helping me the most, Leanne? Uh, I'm also involved in a family business, and we're oh, in God. a generational transition right now. My my father passed away last year, and so we're figuring this all out together. <laughs> and I'm thinking, shoot, we need to go do this TARP exercise right now, because yes. we all have very different, distinct roles of how yes. we, we support each other. So I've been so grateful for the reread on your book through this yeah. lens of how do I Uh, Have more empathy for the role that some of my brothers are playing in the day to day operations versus what I am playing from a finance perspective versus whoever else. So, anyways, thank you for that. Yeah. And also, oh, go ahead, Leah.
2: I was just going to say, I I was working with one very large, very, very wealthy family and um, three generations in. And, um, you know, just being able to help them say, some people here, like all of us are owners, right? We all have an ownership stake. Some of us are owners and employees, but some of us are not employees. And some of us are owners, employees, and executives. Yes. And where, like where we are in those three roles makes a massive difference in Mm -hmm. the tension we need to bring in the responsibility we feel in how we engage in what our rights and privileges need to be and what our responsibilities are. And and once we could help people just have language, so much of productive conflict is just language. So, okay, as an owner, what rights and privileges do you have? And let's all be okay with the fact that it's different than if you actually are giving your 40 hours a week and being an employee as well, And that's different than the rights and privileges and responsibilities if you are actually a a leader or an executive in the business. So when we can get language for people, they can have conflict a lot more effectively.
0: I can't wait for the next sibling meeting, Leanne. I'm the youngest (laughs) of 12 kids. Like there's a (laughs) lot of personalities in this group. I'm already excited. And wow. I thought, like, do I just be like, hey, um, team building exercise, let's all read this book. But on that note, one thing that I wonder if I'm noticing in our familial business situation is that we may need to reduce friction. So this is leaning yeah. into your next theme a little bit of mm. f- first, the same question is the tension. How do we yeah. know we need less friction? What would that like, look or sound like in an organization? Um. So
2: it's, uh, first of all, it's very little silence in a meeting. You can often tell if there's no silence, nobody's actually listening. Uh Uh, That's a, that's a telltale sign for me. Um, people dropping eye contact uh that's like okay this is getting hard and this is feeling personal um so productive conflict you get a ton of eye contact right people are leaning into the table they're they're gung ho they um friction the eye contact starts to drop at least for some people like you can watch succession you'll see some will keep the like wolf like <laughs> eye contact but some will will drop right yes. um you know we've been talking about this for an hour and nobody has budged in their position um, those sorts of things are signs. Uh, the the other big, big, big telltale one, the meeting after the meeting,
0: right? Oh, my
2: gosh. If there's a meeting yeah. after the meeting or seven, that's a good sign. There's a lot of friction.
0: <laughs> well, and you talk about it in the book also. I, oh, my gosh. Rami, I almost texted you when I read this because it was like, this was Target. <laughs> a whole. Let's take that offline. Oh, let's no, take that let's offline. Take oh, my gosh. That phrase and the amount of times it was used.
2: When I, when I do that in my keynotes now, I do it like, you know, like in flight, the flight attendant fingers or when they're showing you the emergency exits, I'm like, let's take that offline. Right? <laughs> like it feels like it needs some kind of a like gesture. Let's yep. take that offline, which means let's bury it in a deep, dark hole and never speak of it again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> That's so, the Minnesota nice Canadian passive aggressive problem. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: It's oh, yeah. real. It is. So what are some strategies you can offer us for reducing friction?
2: Yeah, so the good news is the TARP exercise is a big help there, right? Because once you understand the productive tension you need Mm -hmm. to have So some of that empathy becomes, oh, what I was interpreting and experiencing as friction actually wasn't friction. So understanding and reframing is great. Mm -hmm. Um, If I were to give one other, I would say um, I have an exercise I call level three listening. And uh, listening is at the heart of reducing friction. So if I go through the three levels really, really quickly. So the first level is just attention. So the Chinese character for listen is made up of the character for the ears, the eyes, and the heart. And they say you only listen when you listen with all three. Mm -hmm. Um, So level one listening is just saying, am I actually taking in what they're saying? Like, do I have my phone in front of my nose? Am I distracted by something or am I actually giving them my ears, my eyes, and my heart? That's level one. Level two is, which is so important in conflict, which is that am I not just listening to the facts and information, but am I listening for clues in the emotional content they're giving me? And that may come in their pitch, their tone, their body language, or in their words. If somebody starts using absolutes, like you always do this or you never, or (laughs) I love the teenagers every one of my friends is allowed to do this. Everyone? Mm -hmm. Wow. So when we we use absolutes, all that is, is just kind of a socially acceptable way of showing emotion. So level two listening is getting to the emotions so that you can get to the values and beliefs that are actually, what is this actually about? That's what you're trying to listen for. Listen for, oh, I'm getting the sense that this is not actually about you know, what budget process we use here. This is actually about this is a person who likes to be in control. And, you know, they're feeling like this is going to take control away. They're nervous, they're right, that sort of thing. So that's level two is listening below the facts to pick up the emotional breadcrumbs and clues to follow to the treasure, which is the actual values and beliefs. And then level three, which is just the most painful challenging difficult lifelong journey is to actually listen to the other person instead of listening to the narrator in your head and most of us when someone else is talking are listening to our own narrator and sometimes that's in judgment like can you believe this leanne chick she is full of (laughs) or listening in defense um where you're thinking like i do that i'm a really good listener You know, yep, absolutely. I do that too. Like, I don't know even why she's telling me this because I'm good at this. Um, But the other scary one talk about empathy. Empathy interferes with listening Um, because if we are um, identifying with Uh the person, often what starts to happen is like, oh, that's exactly like when we were at Target. Like, yeah. And then all of a sudden you're listening to your own story once upon a time, remember? And then you stop listening to them and you're projecting your experiences onto them and you're not listening anymore. So level three listening, which is kind of like practicing meditation. Like you can never perfect it. There's no such thing. But just picking one conversation a day to say, I'm going to pick this one this matters. This is contentious. Uh, I care about this person. I'm going to pick this one conversation to try and listen at level three, um, practice it. And and you'll have to practice it constantly. It doesn't ever go away. Sometimes I catch myself. I'm like, oh, there I go. Not (laughs) it's great accountability to write a book about these things because then people are like, uh, okay, miss level three listening. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Yeah, so if you want to decrease friction, get better at listening, um, and everything in the book, and I've, uh, there's some free stuff on my website about level three listening. It's a I think the article is called you think you're listening, but you're not. Um, uh, yeah, There's some tools there for folks work on that.
1: Okay, so we've talked a lot about listening on our podcast as well. I think episode 107 was how to be a better listener. Last week, our episode was called Listen Better. We talked about how uh, I think we started out with saying, like, I've never heard of anybody being referred to in my life, at least, as like a really good talker, really good speaker. But I've heard a lot of people say like, oh, that person is a good listener. So we talked about that last week. Awesome. My question to you. Go back. Listen
2: to it again. (laughs) Again.
1: Again. Again. My question to you, though, is like, how do you convince others to be better listeners, if that's how we reduce friction?
2: Um, So model it is the first thing, Okay, right? So model it by doing things like, okay, if I'm listening well, or if I heard you properly, um, you know, this is the fact, this is how you're feeling about the fact. And, and can I just, you know, ask you, is this really about this belief, right? So practice modeling. And, you know, that's what we used to call active listening and mm-hmm. um, active listening got a bad reputation because it started to get so um, stilted and looked yeah, yeah. so false. But, but again, I'm totally cool with you doing something that you're not great at. Just say it, look, I'm going to practice this. I'm totally clunky at it at the moment, but I think it's mm-hmm. important and I want to get better at it. So like, bear with me, Well, I Mm. see if I got like, if you're bad at something, just say you're bad at it and take ownership of, but you know, here's why I'm doing it anyway. And here's what I'm doing to get better at it. Um, so the second thing would be when you see other people not listening, run interference. Um, so if someone talks and the way the next person chimes in says, did you hear any of that? Um, don't force the first person to be like, "I don't think you heard me. <laughs> Jump in, say, can we just pause for one sec? As I'm listening to you, that's really different than what I thought I heard from mm-hmm. Shannon. Like mm-hmm. c- Shannon, can you just can you give me a set and again, take the other person out of it. take person two out of it and put yourself in it. Oh maybe as I'm listening to person two, I'm thinking, oh, well, I understood Shannon wrong. So let me go back. And just say to Shannon, was that, like, is that right? Is that what this is about? Like, is there something I'm missing? But make it about you as opposed to, like, person number two, you're a jerk. You weren't listening. Maybe, oh, I, I think maybe I had it wrong or I missed something. Take the pressure on to you. But what I see so often is people just sitting as a spectator in that situation of, you know, person number two not listening. Misinterpreting, barreling on with some irrelevant tangent that says person number one was never heard and uh, nothing was done with their input. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just don't let that happen. Don't spectate of that. Like, in you first one of the things. Like the conclusion I come to is you get the team you deserve, and if you Whoa. and and it right, that yeah. know, it, it's a bit.
0: No, that's great.
1: But,
2: I love that. right. I love so that. in that moment if you stay quiet. And just let these two volley back and forth about, well, no, fork, spoon, you know, tastes great, less filling. Like if they just fight back and forth, um, you're going to get this really not valuable team, but you kind of deserve it. Cause like, what were you doing? Just sitting there on your hands. Um, and if you, in that moment go, Hey, I, as I'm listening to person number two talk, I'm feeling like maybe I missed the point you know, can we go back? Can we loop back around? You know, let me ask a good question to understand it even better. Um, yeah, you're going to, things are going to get better. The conflict's going to become more productive. There's going to be less friction and you're going to get that amazing team that you have totally earned. You deserve that (laughs) great team. So you get
0: the team you deserve sadly.
1: Yeah. I love
0: that. That's awesome. Leanne, this has been just like jam-packed with so much (laughs) great wisdom, and we at the end of our episode, we love to give our listeners maybe like one to three invitations that they can apply this week. Yeah, I'm I'm guessing what those could be, but if you just had to sum it up for our listeners again, what is the one to three things that you would say, listeners, please go try this if you're interested in experimenting with Productive Conflict?
2: So I think I've given you lots of things to experiment with. Go to the, you think you're listening and you're not, and, and practice level three listening. Do that. If you're in a situation where you can make the TARP exercise happen, do it. But I want, if I'm going to leave you with one thought, yeah, um, I want you to change your mindset about conflict. Because I think most of us have that rowing idea in our head still. And if we have that thought in our head to say something dissenting or, or divergent, Like our narrator uh, goes like, oh, don't say that. Like people won't like you or that'll slow things down or, right? So the one line is simply some things are worth fighting for. Mm. And when you do the TARP exercise, then you know what things are worth fighting for because you've defined it, right? But in life, I think we walk around with this. I don't want to fight. I want to keep things harmonious. You know what? we need a new mantra. Some things are worth fighting for. So I just invite everybody to walk around the world for the next week going, have I been biting my tongue on things that are actually worth fighting for? Um, and, and who's counting on me to fight for those things? And, and how am I counting on myself? to advocate for myself or impose boundaries or fight for things that matter. So that it's that I think that's the mindset has to change first, then you can use the exercises, but change your mindset first.
0: Yeah, that's phenomenal. And, and again, I'm going to point back to how useful it was to have you in my ear this weekend. I was going toe to toe with two of my brothers around invoicing and how we're determining rates for our business to build their business. And, and, and for me, it, I needed to reframe what them being argumentative meant, Right. you know, it wasn't about argument uh, about me and my willingness to engage in conflict. But it was like, oh, wait, I need to tell myself a new story about when they come at me.
2: Yes, because they have something worth fighting for. Yes. And now it's back to level three listening. What is it? What is it that I'm not understanding that they're fighting for? Because if I can figure that out, we can solve for it. Yeah. But until I understand what they're actually fighting for, I'm not going to get there.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, Rami, bring us home. What do we? What do? We, what else do we want listeners to do?
1: <laughs> uh, we want you to buy Leanne Davies's book, uh, The Good Fight, um, which is phenomenal. It's what we talked about today, or her uh, other book, You First, inspire your team to grow. Up, get along, and get stuff done. Follow her on LinkedIn. Uh, we'll yeah, tag her when we LinkedIn. come.
2: Yeah, come to when LinkedIn. we
1: post this on LinkedIn. We'll tag you.
0: Great.
1: Uh, and then connect with us on social. We're on Instagram, on uh, LinkedIn. We're gonna share a poll. I think today with this episode. Shannon, is that on right? We've never done a poll, yet. but we're gonna. We've
0: do never poll. done one. We're gonna pull it up. <laughs> pull it
1: up. So that'll be fun. So interact with our poll. Uh, we would love to see that.
0: Yeah. Leanne, thank you again so much for your oh, generosity. So fun. Yeah. Good blast. With, Thanks, Shannon. Thanks, Robbie. Yeah. With that, I've been Shannon.
1: I've been Rami, and this has been Workplace Hugs.